Welcome to the Fisher's Second Ward Podcast. This is a podcast to help members of the Fisher's Second Ward of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints get to know their neighbors in the ward. The ideas and thoughts that we share aren't necessarily a reflection of the official doctrines of the church. We just hope to strengthen our friendships and our faith by sharing our stories. Thanks for listening, and let me introduce you to a member of the ward. And we're back for a second week in a row. I don't know how many weeks. <laughs> I think we've done two weeks in a row, but we've got Eric Tesh with us. Hello. Today. Yay, Eric. So, Eric, um, Eric's been a member of the ward for how long have you been in the Fisher Second Ward? So, if you want to count the time of me investigating the church, it's been um, almost 14 years. Okay, so you've been in Fisher's for 14? Um, I've been in Fisher, in, in the ward, yes, but in the town of Fisher's for 16. Okay. So you talked about investigating. I yes. think a lot of people who know who you are know that you are not a lifelong member of the, member of the church. So, so talk about first of all, where were you born? Where'd you grow up? Talk a little bit about those formative, okay, first pre Latter Day Saint years. So I was born. Keep out all the bad stuff. Absolutely, I was born in Rochester, New York. Okay. Um, matter of fact, most of my family, um, immediate fa- or like close family, cousins, aunts, uncles, they're all all up in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, but we moved to Fort Wayne, Indiana when I was probably five years old, six okay. years old. So I don't have a lot of memories of Rochester other than that was like our family vacation. Okay. So we went back to Rochester quite a bit, been to Niagara Falls more times than I count because right. that would be the... That's right on the way. That was right on the way. So we would, we would always do that. But um, I grew up in Fort Wayne. Um, I have a, an older sister, so I was the youngest of two. Okay. I was brought up Catholic, but uh, we really didn't... Like, in my younger years, up till probably seven, eight years old, uh-huh. I had my first communion, okay. was never confirmed, never went through my confirmation. Okay. Uh, my mom and dad got divorced around that time. Okay. And, you know, this was back in the 70s. Uh, so being a Catholic and having divorced parents was that's bad. not usual. <laughs> right. It was very unusual. And so we were kind of shunned and... And we, we became, we'd go there for Christmas and Easter. My mm-hmm. mom was brought up Catholic. She went to an all-girl Catholic school. So she was fairly devout. Um, my dad wasn't. Um, so, uh, yeah, I actually started going back to CCD, which is like their, um, kind of like primary. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was in high school, just, you know, for the friendship, I had a couple of friends that I went, that I went to that with and, um, so that was, so basically I had from like nine years old till about 16 years old where there was nothing. No, no real religion. No real religion. Um, and then a couple years and then I joined the Navy right after high school. And um, in the Navy, mm-hmm. I, I have a lot of respect for those um, boys, young men right. who are joining the Navy who are members because I don't think I could be a member of the church and be in the Navy. It's probably different back in the eighties than it is now. Okay. I mean, things have changed. It's been over 30 years since I was in, but it um, doesn't seem like the eighties was really 30 years ago. I know. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm like, Oh yeah, it's 2022. <laughs> yeah. It's been a while. Right. It's 40 years now. <laughs> it was late eighties, early nineties. <laughs> We're the same age here. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think you've got, you've got a few months on me cause your birthday's, is it this, this coming week? Yeah, Friday. Happy birthday. Thank you. I was going to bring a cake, but it's not frosted yet. No, it's not Friday. It's not my birthday yet. So, you know, be premature. So what got you thinking, uh, since you really had this this core part of your your childhood, your growing up years where you weren't 
in a religious um, environment. What got you thinking? Was it just the friendship or were there other things that, that led you to get back into the... Now, so like, again, in high school, that was definitely not my path to religion. Mm. Um, that was more of looking for that camaraderie. Okay. Um, you know, once I joined the Navy and everything, I be, you know, fastly became um, atheist. Okay. Um, I, you know, you, you see a lot of bad things and sure. bad people. And so you kind of um, have a hard time understanding that and you know you see the vastness you go out to the ocean you see the vastness of just this small globe of our earth right and you you know it's um it, science became my my religion um okay. i ended up going into um, science when i got out of the navy that's what my education is i got a biology degree okay um bachelor's in biology and associates in chemistry um so Study a lot of science, and it's very easy. Your peers, your professors, everything is becomes very um, anti-religion. That that makes sense because, and I'm thinking, you get this, you see the vastness, and you, you know, I think some people might use that as a as a, an impetus to turn towards religion, where others are using that as a impetus justification away from to, yeah. absolutely and that probably started i took we um I, I went to a high school that actually had a had a um a um oh what are those called astronomer not an astronomer but um you know you go and you look at the stars and um, uh, like, like a planetarium planetarium we had a planetarium at my high school oh cool so i took astronomy in my sophomore year <laughs> in high school that's awesome and it was awesome it was a first <laughs> It was my first morning class, though, so it was a little difficult because they put you in this dark room. But there was only like ten of us, so it was a lot of fun. I learned all about the northern star. We had a, our final was you had to name um, all the major stars and constellations in the northern sky. It was always really cool. But as you're sitting there and you're talking about time mm-hmm. and the universe, it it starts to. That's when you start doubting things. Okay. Um, I. I, I at least that's what I, especially when there was nothing else to fill that void. Okay. So that was that. That was what you know. You have a vacuum. It's going to be filled by something. And right. That's what so you have this scientific. Um, I don't know what to call it, but aside the scientific, um, the the scientific knowledge base. That's yeah, absolutely. That Which is you know, as a high school kid, seems like all the answers are there, and then sure. as you realize that we have a lot of answers. But every answer we have, you end up with 10, 20, 100,000 more questions. So exactly. that's just kind of how it works. Right. So uh, high school, going to the Navy, really kind of was not a, a religious focus for you, it sounds Not like. at all, no. No, I, I enjoyed my religious time. I actually, or my Navy time, I've actually compared it to a mission mm-hmm. from the perspective that it's an opportunity for, it was an opportunity for me to mature, right. to become self-disciplined. To really understand my place in the world and what I could do, what I was capable of, Um, but not from a proselytizing side of it. Um, Or, you know, I think one of the great things about missions for young men, young women is it also helps them to reinforce their testimony of the church. Um, It's not so from that perspective, not at all, but from leaving home, being on your own. You being responsible for yourself and your actions and everything, absolutely. Becoming your own person. Yeah. So you were in the Navy for how long? Six, six years. Okay. I did two years of education 
Um, I was an electronics technician, so I had to learn basic electronic electricity. And then I went to my A school. The A school is what your what your job is called your rate in the Navy. So that was my rate. I was a fire controlman. And then my C school, which was I learned a specific weapon system. Okay. Um, so I learned the phalanx close-in weapon system. It's... Um, well, you can barely see it. There's a little white thing up there. It looks like R2-D2. Okay, yeah. Big white domed with uh -huh. a giant Gatling gun. That was what I learned how to um, know everything about it that I could know. Giant robot that shoots down missiles. Um, yeah, so, and then I did four years on a ship, the USS Deo. Mm -hmm. um, it was it's nothing to do with the, the Herb Belafonte song, like many people think. <laughs> yeah, it's Admiral, Rear Admiral Deo, who was a destroyer man. So, okay. um, and that was... What I was on was a destroyer. So six years in, um, was that the commitment that you made or what, what led to you? Yeah, so typically when you enlist in any any of the military, it's an eight-year thing. Okay. But you have, so like some most people go in for four years, correct? Then you have four years in active reserve. Okay. I did six years. Mine was six years because there was so much education in there, mm. the two years beforehand, that you, they still want to get their money's worth. Right. And then I had two years in active reserve. Reserve. So I was still eight years, okay. but six years active, okay. two years inactive reserve. Okay. And then I got out. So I love the Navy. Mm -hmm. I love being on a ship. I love the ocean. It's just, it's amazing to me. Mm -hmm. um, but you don't have any relationships. You know, I did two major cruises. So six to nine months out at sea. Mm -hmm. And then we did a lot of law enforcement. We were doing a lot of drug interactions okay. back then. And our ship was capable of doing a lot of those type of things, listening into radios and stuff. Oh, so cool. we did a lot of um, Caribbean, which was great. Got to go to a lot of Caribbean sure. islands, <laughs> but um, didn't do, um, just, you couldn't have a relationship. Not not one that was going to last any time because you were not constantly gone. Right. Um, I saw a lot of people struggle with it. I, I had told them I would have re-enlisted, and this was because I was really into scuba diving this uh -huh. then, um, for Cuba. Because you were right there in the Caribbean, and they did hops to all the Caribbean islands, and the scuba diving around Cuba is phenomenal. Wow. So I got to do a little um, when we visit um, Gitmo, but wow. never, because you, Gitmo, you know, there's the base you, everybody thinks of, a few good uh -huh. men, and, you know, terrorists are being held there. But it's also a naval station where um, the ships who are getting ready to go on deployment go and do their workups, and, okay. and you do all your testing and everything like that there. So that's... So you visit there. I was there probably three or four times. Okay. Um, so it was really cool. So um, when you talk about relationships, so this is pre-internet. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, this is um, pre-cell phone. Right. Kidding me? I, this was calling card time. <laughs> so did you have any way of communicating with people no. uh, back in the States? Not not when you're at sea. They So we did have um, like a satellite phone, uh -huh. but that was emergencies. Right. I would think that that'd be super expensive. Too. Exactly. Very expensive. Um, but that was like new. Like we we had a GPS and it was we were like one of the first ships to have GPS. Wow. So that shows you how the time-wise and everything, how this actually worked or when, you know, when uh -huh. this was. So everything that we did was via radio. Um, but when you got into port, so I, you know, I made a lot of... Long distance calls home mm -hmm. from you know foreign ports, right? Um, but yeah, that was it. And back in those days, long distance calls you paid for every minute. And... Yeah, and they were outrageous. <laughs> they were super expensive. Very very expensive. Yeah, it wasn't unusual to have a three or four hundred dollar bill, which doesn't seem like that much nowadays. Right. But I was making eleven $1 hundred dollars a month. 
<laughs> with, with hazardous duty bay and sea pay included. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, that's times have changed a little bit. <laughs> a little bit, yes. <laughs> so, being at sea for six to nine months at a time, mm-hmm. coming back, um, how did that affect your relationships? Did you, were you able to reconnect with people, or was it well, like family, absolutely, but uh, and fa- and and my like really good friend from high school and everything like that. We were mm-hmm. we were all still tight then, but like um, relationships with you know girlfriends and stuff, yeah, they were just non-existent, non-existent. Yeah, okay. Um, I'd meet people and we'd go out for a little bit, but inevitably I'd have to leave, and yeah. there's no commitment at that point, so. Right, no your commitment is to the to the government. To the yeah, I, I don't have it. I didn't have a choice. Right, which brought one of my philosophies. By the way, is that I told myself I would never put myself in a position where I couldn't just up and quit a job. That makes sense. Yep, because that was a position I was in there. Is I just right. couldn't up and quit it because six years, you know, three years was great. Three and a half years, I was ready to get out <laughs> and move on with my life, and I couldn't. I had to wait You're for those. I was committed, and yeah. You know, you, you honor those commitments. Yeah. Well, that's cool. So you get out and then is that when you started studying biology or was it? It is. I I went to school and studied biology. Um, About a year in, I was living with my father for the first year and then he lost his job and had to move. And it's kind of, it's a long story, but I was planning on going to the college of Charleston because they had a great marine biology program. Okay. And I was talked into coming back home because of um, my back. family, all my family was up there and they was wanted that back me to, to come Fort Wayne? back to Fort Wayne. Yep. Yeah. And I had actually came home for a buddy's wedding and talked to the head um, biologist, the department head there, Frank Palladino was his name. And Frank Palladino is known that he has a grant from the um, National Geographic to do studies on sea turtles in Costa Rica. Oh, nice. And so that was what my interest was, marine biology is with turtles. And so I actually spoke, to, I made an appointment and talked to him and he told me all about the, the program, the biology program there mm-hmm. at um, FP, um, where was it then? Indiana University, Purdue, IPFW. Indiana, okay. It's now Purdue, Fort Wayne, but okay. back then that's what it was. Um, so which made me, and then my dad's like, hey, I want you to come live with me. You can live rent free. And so I did that. And then, you know, a year later that was gone. So I ended up, I got a job at the American Red Cross. Okay. And I worked, um, it's kind of morbid, but I was, I worked in the tissue bank at the American Red Cross and I procured human tissue for transplant. So it's different than what you think of for like organ transplant. Right. So we have an IOPO, Indiana Organ Procurement Organization. Okay. We did tissue. So we did skin Uh um, for skin grafts. We did bones. We did heart for the heart valves. Okay. And we did tendons. We didn't do eyes. Eyes were do- are done by the Lion's Eye Bank. Okay. Um, but that's what we did, and we did it for the state of Indiana. Now, and, where where did the tissue come from? Cadaveric donors. Okay. So dead bodies. Dead bodies. Yes. <laughs> uh, that's what I assumed. I, th- yeah, absolutely. That is fascinating. Yeah. So I that was my I worked that all through college, um, and I ended up going. I started going to college then part time. I couldn't go full time okay. and work a job, and you know pay for an apartment and pay for do all that kind of stuff. So um, I started going to school part-time and um, it, it was a good job, but you get burnt out really quickly. I, I did that for probably three years as the, a procurement technician. I was mm-hmm. certified tissue tissue okay. 
person CTS certified tissue specialist is what, okay. what it was. Um, and then I got into the customer service side of it because you see a lot of, if you think about for those type of donations, it's young tragic deaths. Yeah, so you yeah. see a lot of really young tragic deaths. You see a lot of suicides, a lot of car wrecks. Um, the last one for me, not to depress people, but was a 16 year old girl in the middle of winter who was playing around with her dad who was snow plowing and she slipped in uh, front of the snow plow, uh, the, the, um, it wasn't a snow plow, it was a, um, snow thrower. Okay. Yeah. Um, a big one on a tractor, um, on a farm. So and not an insignificant no, and, piece of equipment. And she, he hit her. He didn't know that she slipped and, um, just, I was kind of done. We did babies. Well, the, and the question I was going to ask yes. is what, what leads to the burnout in that? And you just answered that because yeah. <laughs> I think that having, having that constant, um, that constant parade of these young tragic, it, it gets, I still will like, they'll pop in my head in certain instances. Yeah. Like y'all, it'll kind of hit me. Um, yeah, it, it was not, not for the faint of heart by any, right. any means. Um, an interesting side fact though. So, um, it was all on the job training because a lot of people asked me what I needed to know. Most of us were biology students because we knew anatomy and right. that, that definitely helps. But when we hired new people, we'd lose more of them because we flew small planes everywhere. Ah. And flying in a two-engine Cessna freaked people out much more <laughs> than do, going into a morgue yes. or going into the uh, morgue in a hospital mm-hmm. um, and doing what we did. Because right. it... What we, you know, it, they definitely make it so it's less impactful or has less impact. I guess is probably the right way to say that. You, um, it's a sterile field. Right. Um, you sheet everybody up, so you're not seeing faces. You know, it's not as personal. Right. But you're still shaving them. You're still doing everything like you would do a surgery. Um, so I mean, there's there's some of that too. Okay. But yeah. Um, but we lost a lot of people. I mean, we had a couple of close calls. Flying. I, I remember once we were taken off from Smithfield, which is a small airfield there in Fort Wayne. Mm-hmm. It's where we usually would take off from. And um, I had my back to the pilot. Okay. And then my two buddies were sitting towards me. That we, we went in three-man teams. Okay. And um, this, uh, uh, I look out the window, and all this smoke is just pouring out <laughs> of the engine. <laughs> and I look at it, and I, and I look at the guys, and they're like, they look at it, and they're like, and we're, we're taking off. So we're... We just left the ground and gaining altitude. And I look back, I tap the pilot on the shoulder and I point. He looks, does a double take, brings the bird on its side and just uh, comes right in, announces an emergency, lands, says, get out, get out, get out. Wow. <laughs> and it ended up, so, you know, it's really traumatic when that's happening, right? Right. But you land and it turns out that somebody didn't put the, the um, oil cap on. <laughs> And so it was all oil. It was white right. smoke, but it was just billowing out. And I'm sure the people who were on the ground were looking up going, and some, some guy in the tower there is like, <laughs> yeah, I noticed that. I, I, I'm like, well, why didn't you say anything? That's right. <laughs> and so we got right back onto another plane and took off, flew down to Evansville. Wow. So because everything is timed. Like, yeah. you know, you have to get there. Because you've got, the, you've got the donor that, is, that doesn't have all the time in the world. Oh, absolutely. Sure it's you... like if we were going to procure a heart valve, I think we had like eight hours wow. and we had eight hours to get it procured and get it shipped to, um, it was Mesa, California is where those were um, dissected. Okay. Um, so we, Fort Wayne did all the skin. We dissected the skin and cryopreserved it and then uh-huh. froze it. And then, um, 
yeah, Mesa, California did the, the, um, the heart valves, the heart valves and all the bones and tendons went to a company called Osteotech in New Jersey. Okay. Interesting. Okay. That's something I did not know about you. (laughs) And I never, I didn't even, um, put together that the Red Cross was involved in that. A lot of people don't know that. A lot of people don't even know that that's a thing. Right. You know, they think about the IOPOS, which is, but not, um, the actual tissue donation and Indiana blood bank here. Uh Um, we actually trained them to do it. Um, so I was on the team that came down here and I don't know if they're still doing it, but at that time they had all the connections here in Indianapolis. The Red Cross wasn't as big for blood donations as the Indiana blood bank. And so they were, they were starting to do tissue as well. Cool. So you did that for a few years and then seven, uh, seven years. Yep. Okay. So did you work, is that how you worked with your way through college? Absolutely. Yep. Okay. And then when I graduated from college, I quit mm-hmm. and got a job with a company called Ventive Health, which was a pharmaceutical company that was kind of contract pharmaceuticals, what they called it. It was kind of my way in the door to get into sales. Okay. And within six months, I lost my contract, got another contract. But while I was waiting for the other contract, I interviewed with Merck, actually interviewed with like three different companies. Mm-hmm. Um, and two of them hired me, but Merck gave me the best deal. And Merck was... Um, and still is, I consider one of the top pharmaceutical companies out there. So I started right. working for Merck. Now, is that where you met Craig Fries? It was, but it wasn't, it was a ways away. It was, okay. it was kind of interesting. I didn't meet Craig until what, t- 2009, 2008. Okay. I think that was the time frame. And I started with Merck in 2000. Okay. So, so a few years in. Yep. A few years in. Um, yeah. So I, you know, I did pharmaceutical sales and then I got a promotion uh-huh. Um, where I went inside for a little bit of time and did some marketing. Um, we were, it was called the FIT. I can't remember what it stands for anymore, but basically we were the communication between the sales force and the marketing team. Okay. And I did that for a new product we were going to launch for diabetes and then the FDA didn't approve it. And so I came back out and then I was, ended up getting back out there as a field trainer, as a sales trainer. Okay. And that's when I met Scott Lowe. Okay. Now Scott Lowe is the gentleman who actually introduced me to the church. Okay. Scott Lowe was from Colorado, mm-hmm. and he, um, we both got promoted as sales trainers at the same time. We were part of the same interview and everything. Mm-hmm. And so we moved out there, and um, you know, this was back in the heyday when you got corporate moves and housing and everything like that. Mm-hmm. So Merck put us up in hotels for two months. Nice. Two to three months, I think, is what we had till we could find a place. Uh-huh. And so Scott was married and had a family, but they also owned a telecontestant in Colorado. Ah. And these were considered developmental positions, so they had a two-year time stamp on it, right? Okay. So you were there for two years, and then and then done, and then you were done, and hopefully you were ready to be a manager or go on to the next big thing. And so we met and um, became friends. Mm-hmm. We our apartments were really close to each other, and I just remember him. We were talking, and he was he was driving all of his stuff from Colorado here. Uh-huh. He had a, um, a big old. I can't remember what it was, but like a Tahoe or something like that. And okay. then a trailer behind it. And I told him, well, when you get in, let me know. Um, Cause mine was all corporate moves. So they packed me up mm-hmm. and they were going to unpack me. So I was living in a, an apartment with the clothes on my back. basically. Right. And I saw, I'll help you unpack. So I helped him unpack into a storage place until he found a place to live. And I was, we were talking and I'm like, well, let me know when you're ready to move. I'll help you. And he goes, Oh, 
there's this thing called the elders quarter with my church and they're going to do it. And they're the movers. They're the, they'll help me move in. And I didn't know what that was or, you know, I didn't even ask any questions. I'm like, well, that's really cool that you have that. And that was the end of it. Right. But we ended up doing a lot of stuff. Um, we were both kind of into shooting. So okay. um, we joined the same gun range and we'd go shooting together and um, we liked movies. So we'd go and see movies together and everything mm -hmm. like that. Cause he was basically single and, I was basically single. Everybody else right. was married. Uh -huh. So, um, I mean, I wasn't basically single. I was single. <laughs> right. It wasn't even basically about it. And so we uh, hit it off. And one night we were just talking um, about politics. And we had very similar conservative, you know, I'm not as conservative as most people assume I am because okay. of the Navy and right. all my background. But I'm fairly conservative. Uh -huh. And we were, you know, in agreement. And um, he made a comment about his church. Uh-huh. And I'm like, oh, what church is that? And he goes, oh, I'm a, I'm, I'm a Mormon. Because it was okay to say Mormon. Right, back, back in those days. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm like, oh. I go, you know, I don't think I've ever met a Mormon in my life. Honestly, I may have, but uh -huh. to my recognition, I haven't. And the only thing I know about your church is that there's the polygamy thing. Right. Because that's pretty common knowledge. And that in the 80s, you had these tear-jerking commercials about family on right. TV. I remember <laughs> those stood out to me, it's but that's family. really it. Yeah. And at this point in my life, I was, I was atheist mm -hmm. through, uh, actually that's not true because kind of go back a little. When I quit the Red Cross and start, started the Fentive, mm -hmm. um, I also became a Mason. Okay. And part of Masonic rituals is that there is a God. Uh -huh. And as you're learning about the, about, um, masonry, master masonry, mm -hmm. whatever, um, you kind of st starts getting in your head. Right. Okay. And that was the impetus that made me become a agnostic. Okay. I started to believe, you know what? Yeah. He's I'm having right. a hard time with science explaining everything. I, I actually think that there may be a higher being. I don't know what religion or mm -hmm. what, what's right or anything by that nature. So during that time, I, was became like a collector of religion, meaning okay. if I met somebody that was of a different religion, I would talk their ears off. I would ask them questions uh -huh. and, you know, Hindu, Buddhism, just Islam. I just wanted to know, you know, what, what set you apart. More from curiosity than from exactly. seeking truth? Exactly. It was truth? all curiosity. I wasn't seeking a truth by any means. Okay. And with Scott, I wasn't either. I, I was like, you know, I, I don't know anything. Mm -hmm. I would love to go just to learn something. Right. And he goes, oh, you know what? Come along. And so it was probably a month later, we went um, to, um, he took me to church. He goes, now it's three hours long and I, I really want you to stay for all three hours if you want to get out. I'm like, okay, I'll do that. Sunday, you know, mm -hmm. single, I don't have anything going on. I'm not dating <laughs> right. anybody here in Philadelphia. <laughs> so um, I went and it was amazing. Um, just through the sacrament meeting, the, the spirit was so strong and I didn't, I didn't know it. It was the spirit, but right. it, it, the feeling was so strong with me. Second hour, um, that was when it was three hour block. So right. we did Sunday, Sunday school, school and then we went to um, elders quorum and I uh -huh. did all three and it was so amazing. Scott, being such a good missionary, mm -hmm. afterwards on a Sunday, I would go out like we did this. Now let's mm -hmm. go get something to eat. Right. Let me buy you dinner. Mm -hmm. And he allowed me to. Okay. He didn't make a big deal out of it and everything. Right. Oh, so against my religion. It, or it, exactly. We don't do that. He, he mentioned it to me, mm -hmm. which for my, you know, not to, so I wouldn't keep doing it and be embarrassed later. Mm -hmm. Right. But, um, so we went out to dinner and we talked about it and I said, I'd love to go back. So I, I think that's, that's, I love that he did that because I think sometimes in the, the, the culture of the church, we get wrapped up in the culture 
and we forget about the, the doctrine. And and there is, I remember on my mission as an example that um, we'd be fasting and somebody would offer us a sandwich. Well, how offensive is it to turn down their 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 food offering? And so I would eat when I was fasting. <laughs> Absolutely. But in all honesty, that probably had more impact on that individual than if you would have turned it down. Right. A, more of a positive impact on that individual than if right. you would have turned it down. I. So absolutely. And I, I think that's probably something that's put into our heads through our missionary science. I say are, I've never served mm-hmm. a mission, but because you are a letter of the law when you're out there as a mission. And, right. and it's a good thing, but um, I, I was happy he did it for, you know, for my sake. Right. Um, I don't go out to eat on Sundays now. Mm-hmm. It didn't affect me in a, you know, like, well, Scott did it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's okay for me. It must be okay. So um, I started going to church with him. Cool. Now, granted, so this was supposed to be a two-year uh-huh. gig, right? So at about the year mark, so this was probably in October, November is when this was going on. Okay. And he asked me if I wanted to meet with the missionaries. And in my hubris, I said, nope. Uh-huh. 18-year-old kid isn't going to tell me anything. And so um, he actually set it up with the bishop, Bishop Ogden. Okay. Um, and um, and himself. I think he was. Ex- he ended up being his executive secretary. Okay. And all through this, by the way, like when Scott got his calling, he told me all about it. Mm-hmm. So it. So this was going on in between. Like, hey, I just got a new a calling. What's a calling? Mm-hmm. Well, this is what it is. Oh, and what's an executive secretary do? I do this for the bishop. Oh, that's really cool. So I mean, right. It, it, we were having those type of conversations, but it was casual conversation, uh-huh. like what we are told to do all the time. Sure. Right. He. He was a great missionary. He's awesome. a great missionary. So. Um, so I started meeting with him, and then they had called a ward missionary as well. So I okay. met with he was a little he was a younger, younger man, but not like he was probably in his mid twenties. Okay, that gives us we were in our thirties at that point, mid thirties. Um, so um, I got to I met with them, and they went through the lessons with me. Mm-hmm. Well, lo and behold, um, the director here in Indiana had two managers opening. Unfortunately, people got let go. Mm. There was some sexual harassment that went on. And we were in the middle of a project launch, so they really needed a manager. Mm -hmm. This director was my mentor who helped me get into the marketing, to help me get into sales, Mm -hmm. who eventually wanted me to come back anyways. So I was allowed, it had to go up to the vice presidents, but I was allowed to interview for these positions. And um, I interviewed and I got... I got hired. Nice. So this was in February. Okay. I got I got hired, and so at the time we had a class in, and I was training. I was training, Kozar and Hyzar, which is which are um, uh, blood pressure medications. Okay. Never sold them. Didn't know anything about it. What I was doing was the night before studying it, learning it, mm. and then training it. And they liked to put me in those type of positions <laughs> back then. That because I nice. was I was good. Like, uh, and I wasn't afraid to. Hey, I got this question to somebody who knows, and they would come and take back what it was. But I was doing that, so I got this job, and I um, so I had to finish this, mm-hmm. but I also had to fly out here on a regular basis, meet my new team, um, a team by the way that was kind of dysfunctional because I knew the manager who got let go. He was mm-hmm. a great guy from the perspective; he, he was a good person, mm-hmm. but he was drinking and he said inappropriate things, and another manager tried to cover for it, and zero tolerance. That's rightly so and i was in agreement yeah he should have been let go but there were people that were very upset were the people who told on him right. but the people who told on him were in the right 
And it was, so that was what I was coming into. Yeah. And it's a rough situation. It's a rough situation. I wanted to keep my lessons going and I was willing to do it actually with missionaries okay. at the time, but I was flying back and forth. I was getting, I think I would go to bed around one, two in the morning, sometimes getting up at five. Wow. Um, it was end of year reviews for them. So I was doing all their reviews. Um, I'm never meeting them, right. looking at people's notes and going, okay, this is what you're going to be. This is what you got. And of course there is a little tension between that. Sure. Um, trying to sell my house, uh-huh. trying to buy a house. Uh-huh. And this house, I think I've told people why I ended up with such a big house being single. Um, because it had the same mortgage as my Philadelphia house. Oh, nice. <laughs> That's what I, that was my requirement. This is what I'm paying now. I don't want to pay any more than that. Show me what I got. There you go. So anyways, um, I'm digressing a bit, but so we moved out here. I moved out here and, um, the missionaries were very persistent mm-hmm. to the point where I had to tell them to stop. Right. That I didn't want, I quit returning the calls, completely cut them off because it was just way too much. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, so I had this, like, this was great, but in the, in my mind, I was still doing it not for conversion, not looking for truth, but I was doing it because it was an interest of mine. Yeah. So, um, so for the next three years, I hadn't met Craig yet. Okay. And for the next three years, um, I was in the cardio, I sold cardiovascular stuff. So my team was selling, um, um, cholesterol medications and a new, new drugs for diabetes. So mm-hmm. that's considered all cardiovascular. And, um, it was interesting. So through that, I would run into, um, members of the, of the church. Okay. I remember one doctor down in North Vernon, um, who was, I now know was president Hill, which was the Indy North state president. Okay. He was a physician down there, and I went with one of my reps and did the lunch with him. Mm-hmm. And we're talking to him, and he's very conservative. He's into the Boy Scouts. <laughs> we're talking fly fishing. If you can't tell, I like the fly fish from my office awesome. here. Um, uh, you can't all the fly stuffs on the, on the wall behind you, <laughs> okay. Craig. So but Ken's looking at little. the raw. He's looking at the really ugly part of my office, but um, it's to the point where I'm like, you know what? I've got this fly. You've got to try it. And, I, I sent, I tied one up for him and gave it to the rep and he gave it to him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I ran into him and I was like, I asked my rep then, I'm like, Hey, do you know if he's a, a Mormon? He goes, I don't know. Well, as we're walking, as we're walking out, there's two missionaries in the waiting room waiting to see him. I'm like, Oh yeah, he definitely uh, is. Awesome. Um, and I ran into a couple, you know, other similar, you know, other situations like that. Um, uh, one doctor who was praying, you know, wanted, prayed before he ate and mm-hmm. just living his Living his religion is mm-hmm. what it was, right? When he was a member of the church. I also ran in, I was dating, of course, dated through all this, right? But mm-hmm. just never, never the right person. I, right. I mean, I dated somebody for a few years, mm-hmm. lived together, all that wow. stuff. But never any, you know, this is the person I want to marry, right? Mm-hmm. So I was dating this woman who was an analyst for um, Lily mm-hmm. and... Um, we were on our third date, I think, second, third date. Anyways, we had talked about, I had talked about that I um, looked at this religion. We, I don't remember how we got on that thing. And the next date, she was like, I am so glad that you didn't join that religion. Um, and was just going off about a friend of hers who was a member, was getting married in the temple, and her brother, who was openly gay, wasn't allowed, and that's how terrible it was. Hmm. Now, I didn't know anything about any of this stuff. Right. I, all I knew was that my, my, my response to her was, well, you know, 
I respect the fact that they have these standards mm -hmm. and they're keeping the standards, even though the world is saying, no, that's not right. Right. I don't know the situation. I don't know anything about that. Mm -hmm. But I, you know, honestly, I respect that a lot. Um, which I find funny that I was actually defending a religion that I don't belong to, <laughs> right. to a person who potentially could, you know, at least be a companion for long, you know, because I'm here by myself, not knowing anybody. But um, that was our last date, by the way. <laughs> she didn't appreciate it. Probably a good idea, too. <laughs> yeah, it was a probably a good idea. There's a lot of pushback there. So anyways, there was a lot of that. And then um, about two and a half, three years later, we had a reorganization. Mm -hmm. um, we went from having these silos of cardiovascular, like I did. Mm -hmm. Craig was a manager for um, uh, respiratory. Okay. And they did away with those and made it everything. Okay. So we, we went to our first new, with our executive team, which were all the managers and the director of, I think, Indiana, Michigan, and part of Illinois. Mm. Um, we all met. And um, that was when I met Craig. Okay. And, and Craig, we used to be in the same stake is Craig. Craig's since moved to Utah. Absolutely. And he but, was a, yeah, he was a bishop of the Carmel Ward. At the time I met him, he was the right. bishop of the Carmel Ward. And then, and then became the bishop the of the Westfield Ward when they spun off right. and then became a member of the stake presidency yeah. um, of Indy North Stake as well. So he's, uh, so a lot of people know him, um, but they're, I'm, they've been gone long enough. Long, long enough, a lot of people don't know them right. either. A absolutely. And Ken, Ken and I really like making fun of Craig. He deserves it. Absolutely. <laughs> There's no one in this world I'd rather make fun of than Craig. Love him to death, though. And there's probably nobody in this room that Craig would love to make fun of more than either one of us. Absolutely. I think he'd be hard-pressed to figure out which one he wants to make more fun of. Probably. If he could do a twofer, he'd be happy. That's but right. um, we met, and during that, you know how you always do these meets, like, hello, my name is, and this is what I do. So we were supposed to, you know, our name, our position, and what we do in our spare time. Mm -hmm. So I got to Craig, and... Um, Craig's was, well, I'm a, um, I'm a bishop of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I have no spare time. <laughs> right. And of course, everybody laughed. And, and I felt a very strong impression that I needed to tell him uh -huh. about my past with right. the church. And so we broke, we, we took a break uh -huh. and I approached him. And I, I always laugh at this because like, who here wouldn't dream of this happening to, to him? <laughs> right. I come up to him like, hey, hey, Craig, I'm Eric. You know, it's great to meet you and everything. I just wanted to let you know that um, about three, four years ago, I uh, um, I was investigating the church just to not wanting to join. I played that not wanting to join, right. but just, you know, trying to, and trying to learn more about it. And I never felt that I completed that. Mm. And I would love to talk to you at some point. Right. Craig did not leave my side. <laughs> we went to lunch. He was beside me. We, like it was, it was awesome. But that, that's great. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I used to, for the longest time, I, I always felt like, oh, I owe Craig so much. Mm -hmm. And then as I've thought about, it, I'm like, oh no, Craig owes me so much for that experience that I gave him because that is amazing. Right. <laughs> but right. you know, um, but he he was great. He he actually um, he's like, hey, you know what? I had a big dog then, Ilsa, big Bernese mountain dog, and he had a big Rusty was his dog's name. It was a big golden retriever. Mm. And we're like, um, he goes, hey, let's get our dogs together and we'll go. We met at Cool Creek Park and yeah. ran the dogs there and talked and um, then went out for breakfast and talked some more. And um, he's like, I, I'd love to have you come to, my, you know, come to church with me sometime and everything like that. And I'm like, you know, Craig, that'd be great. I'll tell you what I don't want to have happen is us to be talking about this two months from now and nothing happening. Like, like right. we're going to do it. Let's do it. If not. 
and again, <laughs> who talks this way? Right. But um, I, that was just kind of how I, I worked. Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm going to do it. I want to do it. I don't want to be like, oh, because I'm going to forget about it and it will never happen. So he invited me over to his house and I met Emily and his two sets of twins. Mm-hmm. And um, we had dinner and talked about the church a little bit. And the next weekend was general conference. Okay. And um, so Emily gave me like, hey, you should watch it. It's on it's on Comcast. And mm-hmm. um, I'm like, all right. So I watched part of it. And um, honestly, if you're not a member, you don't like general conference isn't you're not getting anything from it if right. you're not. If you're not coming there with questions, if you're not there, mm. if, if the spirit's not there with you, if it's just something that's on. It's, right. So, um, but I, I appreciated that, you know, she invited me that. And then the following weekend, he took me to his ward, to the mm. Carmel ward. And it was kind of cool because this was back when President Bush was a member of, and he was visiting. So President Bush presided and Craig sat in the... Um, in, the congregation. in the congregation with me and his family. Okay. Um, and then took me around, inter- introduced me to the Lamberts, okay. um, because yeah. the Lamberts weren't part of that ward, but they, I think he might have called them and told them, um, okay. because he knew the Drapers. Okay. And Kelsey yeah. was a, it was Kelsey Draper before. Right. And so I'm not 100% sure on that, but I, I think that's... Um, and then um, I just met a bunch of people, and the next weekend we went to Fisher's second ward, mm-hmm. and he introduced me to Bishop Kennard, Mm-hmm. And the missionaries, and of course the Lamberts were there, and um, introduced me to like everybody, like right. up, as many people as he could, and, and they stayed with me as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started taking lessons with the missionaries, and um, the Lamberts were awesome. Like Kelsey played the organ, so yeah. Dave was by himself most of the time, so I sat by him, and Dave was great because any question I had, because as somebody who's new. We talk in a lot of acronyms. Not as much now because we're not reading the um, the uh, pro, the um, announcements. Right. But okay. announcements. <laughs> what's an elders quorum? <laughs> right. What's a like relief society? What's all these things? You know, uh-huh. you just don't know what they are. You have yeah. no idea um, unless you're a member of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, so he would he was there answering any question I had. Um, and he would also, like if somebody did something that they really weren't supposed to do, he'd be like, yeah, they're really not supposed to do that. So it was great. Um, because you know, it it allowed me to know we're not perfect either. Exactly. And what the right thing is to do. Right. Right. So both, um, because it allowed me to be able to distinguish cultural church and doctrinal church. And that's really what difference it's huge because I don't love the cultural church a lot. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't say I don't love it a lot, but there's a lot of things about the cultural church that I don't like. Right. But doctrinally, it is solid. And right. that's what drew me to it. It took me six months to become a member, uh-huh. but it had all to do with how consistent doctrinally is the church is, how consistent when you listen to um, general conference talks, mm-hmm. any of those things, it's it's there. Right. Um, and... That's what I was looking for. I was looking for inconsistencies. I was looking for reasons why it wasn't true. Okay. Instead of looking for reasons why it was true. And time and time again, those weren't, those answers didn't, you know, they, I didn't get those why it wasn't true. It was always this consistent. And I've told this before. I'm not sure if you've ever heard this, but I had this, again, my hubris Mm -hmm. in my head that I was meeting with the missionaries twice a week. Mm -hmm. By the way, Sister Allred, Sister Oliver, fantastic. They were with me for six months. Wow. Um, which, you know, 
the Lord knew that that's what I needed. <laughs> right. They wanted me. I needed these two. So, uh, but when we'd go to church on Sunday, questions that I had throughout the week, and by the way, I, I you know, met, met with them Tuesday, Thursday, Wednesday morning on my drive to where I was going, I was calling Craig up. Mm-hmm. And going, hey, they said this, and uh, what? I'm not really sure. And he was phenomenal of really let me know doctrinally and what the Book of Mormon said. Or so I was getting, you know, it was good. Right. Um, but my aunt, the, I would get answers in the talks at sacrament meeting. Wow. And I was like, oh yeah, well that's because the the missionaries are telling. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so they're making the talks so to me, right? Like I'm thinking it's being manipulative right. because there's no way that this would be happening like this. Mm-hmm. That's that was my scientific approach. It's it's not. It has to be manipulated. Right. And of course, once you get into any sort of leadership within the church, you're like, oh no, there's, there's, no, there's way. no way that would ever happen. Not in a million years That's because right. we're not that organized. And so, but. That was kind of, and the other thing was I was so impressed with the youth because they'd be like, so in the talk in 1999, <laughs> elder so-and-so did this. I'm like, how do they know this? How do they remember this? And, and then Craig's like, Craig blew it for me. He's like, oh, they'll see um, the internet. We have a website <laughs> we you can go to. I'm like, oh, but still the youth are very impressive to be True. able to, I could never have done that. What they do get up and talk, um, about their spiritual journeys and right. um, give a talk on any, any lesson like that. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, they are very amazing. That's awesome. Um, so anyways, it took, it took six months. Um, and hopefully this is kind of what you wanted to, well, it's too late now. Yeah, know. right. <laughs> Can't edit it out now, Eric. So, um, so six months you get, you get baptized. Where does Camille come in? Oh, that's after. That's well, I know after. that's, I know yeah. it's after, but well, how'd so, you guys meet? Um, so, Again, the Lamberts. Um, so I got baptized in March, March 8th and 9th. So I got baptized on the 8th and 9th was my um, confirmation. Mm-hmm. And then um, not shortly, not long after that, I was called as the stake um, single adult representative. Okay. Which I understand if you want to get out of that, you have to get <laughs> married, removed, or die. Um, right. with with With, at that time... Um, Brother Bland, uh-huh. he was phenomenal. He's oh, I love President Bland so much. Like he, he was such a good teacher for me too. Yeah. Um, but so I was on that that committee, and he was the high counselor over that committee mm-hmm. at the time. Um, and we, uh, um, I had gone to my first single adult. Um, this is in October, I think. Um, my first single adult dance, mm-hmm. and wasn't my thing mm-hmm. say it that way and that sunday so i went that was saturday night sunday morning i met church and dave and kelsey were there and they just had come back from washington dc mm-hmm. it was dave's birthday and they went out there to celebrate and camille was working for the congressional budget office out there mm-hmm. and kelsey and camille were mission companions okay. in austria so they served their mission austria germany and they were mission companions so they visited and they had talked to camille about um how the dating life was out there mm-hmm. just conversation wasn't looking to fix up or anything but it's like hey how's it out and she you know well you know it's pretty tough Mm -hmm. i won't go into details but um so they were telling them about me so at this time i i have the the gift i would say i look a lot younger than what i actually am Um, and sometimes that's great. And sometimes it's not because right. then people think I should be doing more than I can. But, um, 
so she, there, she, there's like, yeah, he's like this mid thirty guy, and I was forty one at the time. <laughs> and Camille was thirty, okay. So you know, there wasn't that big of a. From the perspective of, we were probably at the same place in our lives. Okay. Um, but I mean, like age wise, 11, 10, 11 years. It's a lot bigger when you're 19 and the person's 30 right. than when you're 30, to 30 41. 41. Uh, but so she asked, um, they're like, well, you know, he seems really normal. <laughs> <laughs> How long did they know you? Uh, yeah, it wasn't very long. And they, you know, I, I can fool people for a short period that's, of time. That's important to know. And, and then he just joined the church and everything. Uh-huh. And um, Camille thought that was really cool. And a few days later, she reached out to... Um, Kelsey was like, you know, I really want to hear his story. I'd really like to talk to him. Mm-hmm. Um, would you see if he was interested? So they presented this to me. And honestly, I had tried a long distance relationship. So I, I was dating somebody um, before I went to um, Philadelphia. And mm-hmm. I didn't I had no interest in doing a long distance relationship right. until after the single adult. Uh, and then I was like, oh, maybe, maybe. you know, because so my my. I'd always wanted to get married. I was at a point in my life, though, where I thought if I get married, it's going to be probably somebody who's divorced, which is nothing wrong because mm-hmm. everybody in my family has been divorced and okay. remarried. So I didn't. I don't have a negative outlook. But it was I wasn't going to have kids of my own. Mm-hmm. I was all right with that. I was going to raise somebody else's kids. Okay. I was all right with that. But that was how I. That was because when you're forty, that's kind of what it looks. That's like. kind of yeah. You're not. It's hard to find somebody that age who. I was an oddity, some kind of weirdo at 40, not married. So, um, so they, they asked me, you know, would you be willing to talk to her? And I was like, yeah, you know what? I will. Mm -hmm. Asked me a week ago. I probably would have said no, but yeah, I'm willing to do this. So I tried to call her and I couldn't get through. And I've always felt like it's the man's job to be uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. initially be uncomfortable. So I didn't, I wouldn't leave a message. I would just call and she didn't answer. I wouldn't leave a message because I didn't want her to have to call me back. Right. Um, so like the third time I called, um, she called me back like within 10 minutes because she's seen the same number uh-huh. over and over. Right. And we ended up talking for two and a half hours that night. Wow. And every night after that, except for with, there's one day my sister came out, my sister and brother-in-law came and stayed with me and I didn't talk to her, but we texted okay. throughout the day, but I was, you know, hanging out with them. Um, in November, I flew out to DC mm-hmm. and she, um, so we talked again, two to three hours a night, every night. I knew her better than people who I dated for years Wow! because when you're talking that long, you learn about, you people. learn about people because if there's silence, it's uncomfortable. Right. right. And Let's like, if it. you're going to a movie, you, you talk work. on the way there, uh-huh. you sit there for two hours you talk a little on the way home. That's it. Yeah. Go out to eat. You talk, but you're eating. It's not. You just don't have that. It's very shallow. It's very. It is. It's very shallow. It's um, it's very small talkish. Mm-hmm. So um, I like. I felt like I really knew this woman and that she was amazing. And I, I think she probably felt the same way. I mean, she was willing to have me fly out to D.C. and um, I got a hotel room out there. And um, <laughs> so as I'm getting ready to leave. Craig mm-hmm. would take me to the airport, by the way, uh-huh. and pick me up from the airport, which was great because he did that because he wanted to hear all of it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, not right. Right? But so I'm getting ready to have him. He's getting ready to get here. And I thought, well, you know what? I'm going to trim my hair up a little bit at Clippers. Mm-hmm. Well, the last time I had used them, I had cleaned them and took the guard off. Oh, no. And I went like this. <laughs> I went, uh, 
and I have a big old strip down to the skin. And I'm like, oh, oh. <laughs> and I'm like, nothing I can do. And just like, zing, zing, you know, shaved it. Texted Camille. I'm like, oh my gosh, Camille, I just did something really dumb. I just shaved my head accidentally. And I, you know, kind of told her, and she goes, that's okay. I did that too. And I, I laughed and I'm like, you know, all right, this is going to be all right. Mm-hmm. So we land and I get out and we, I ended up, my flight was in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. She's at the Baltimore airport and I get off and there she's waiting for me. And like, we know each other, right? Cause we've been talking, we know each other. Right. But it's the first time meeting face to face. We right. had shared pictures, but uh-huh. first time meeting face to face. And there was this, this maybe one minute of being very uncomfortable. Uh-huh. And so I'm like, hi, and she's high. And it's like really uncomfortable between us. And we start walking and she, she reaches up and touches my head. And I, I leaned out and she rubbed it and we laugh and since then it was just like, we're there. That's like, awesome. Yeah, this is the person I've been talking to. This is, this is who I know from the phone. And we had a wonderful weekend. We went out to eat and then, um, I, I was really into when I first joined the church, all of the, um, not church videos, but Mormon videos. Okay. So if you go out in our living room, we own almost every one that's ever been made because mm-hmm. I would buy them and watch them from a cultural standpoint because it was still kind of a study to me, right. like trying to understand. And I love the fact that it's a church that can make fun of itself, sure. like the people make fun of itself. Um, so I made her watch The Singles Lord, ah, The Singles Lord too. So we watched that one. the first night. <laughs> and then since she worked for the CBO, um, she was able to give tours of the Capitol building. So nice. um, the next day we went and did a tour of the Capitol building. We went to... Um, the um, I'm trying to think if we went to Arlington that day or not. We did a lot. Um, Library of Congress. Mm-hmm. And then um, the next day I went to, we went to the temple. Okay, cool. And um, walked through the temple um, uh, visitor center there in D.C. Mm-hmm. Couldn't go in because I hadn't been a member for a year or anything right. like that. So we did, you know, we did all that. And, and it was just wonderful. I knew... When we went, when I went to sacrament meeting with her at the singles ward, then mm-hmm. this is the one. This is like, it. I'm asking her questions mm-hmm. because I'm past the age of playing games. Right. So we're in the car, and I'm like, "So, um, how many children do you want?" Mm-hmm. Because I need to know if she wants them. She does. If she wants ten, I'm not able to give her ten. I'm not willing to. And she said three to five, and I was thinking one to three. So mm-hmm. you notice we have That's three. Right. <laughs> yep. Uh, I'm like. Would you be willing to move to Indiana if you found the right person? Like, if I was the right person, mm-hmm. that's something you're willing to do because I'm not going to invest a bunch of time and then realize that she's her on her career track and she's not moving. I'm on my career track and I'm not moving. And she's you know, she's like, yeah, you know, if it's the right person. Um, so like all the answers she appreciated because like again, most people would be red flag, red flag. Mm-hmm. She appreciated because she'd been around so much of people being wishy washy uh, that I was direct and asking these questions because. I wasn't playing any games. I, right. I, I want to know because I'm flying out to D.C. Uh-huh. And I'm willing to fly out to D.C. twice a month. But I'm not going to waste my time and my money sure. if this isn't something, if, if we're not compatible on these big issue things. Yeah. And we were. Um, so the next time I flew out was the end of November. Uh-huh. And we, um, that, that was when we went to Arlington. Arlington is just amazing, by the way. That's you haven't cool. had a chance. And... Um, we did some geocaching fun. and we did, we just did a lot of fun stuff. Right. I kept busy and, um, like 
I was like, we need to look at rings. That's kind uh, of that's kind of where I was, and I think she was there too. I was like, man, we need to go to the. I want to go to the mall, and she was not picking up what I was throwing down. <laughs> like, not at all. Uh, it it was hilarious how she was not picking up what I was throwing down, mm-hmm. um, but which, which was fine. But like, so I kind of at the end was like, oh, well, maybe we're not thinking the same thing because of that. And I get a phone call as I'm in, in flight. You know, she mm-hmm. called me, so I land and my phone goes off when I get off. And I'm like, oh man, it's from her, and she's hemi and haughty. Like, you need to call me. Mm-hmm. You know, as soon as you get this, would you please call me? And it's all hemi. I'm thinking, okay, right. well, we're over. Right. <laughs> That's kind of where I'm at. And um, it was, she was Hemi and Holly because she, she was feeling that we, we were in the same page and uh-huh. that she wanted me to meet her parents. Okay. And if I didn't do it over Christmas, it wouldn't be for a really long time. So she invited me out to Utah to meet her parents um, over Christmas. Mm-hmm. And of course I had Christmas plans. I'm like, well, Absolutely. I need to change some things. I need to find a flight. I need to do all this stuff. Right. But of course, I'm on cloud nine now. <laughs> Craig's all thrilled, and of you know course. we're all happy. Everybody's happy, right? So um, for Christmas, I flew out to Utah and met her parents and um, met her sister and brother-in-law, and just great time. Mm-hmm. Um, for New Year's Eve, she came out here. Nice. Um, I don't know if you know the connection Camille has with the Robinsons. I don't know that I do. Okay, so her sister Natalie and Heidi are really good friends and were roommates at BYU. Okay. Her husband, uh, Natalie's husband, and Ryan were, mo- were roommates. President Robinson were roommates as wow. well. Wow, okay. So I don't know the timing or anything like that. But the reason why I'm saying this, so when she would come out and visit me, mm-hmm. she actually stayed at, at the Robinsons. Robinsons, who lived right down the street from me at that time. Yeah. They were in... They didn't live where they're at now because they were here before and then left and came back. Right. So um, it was just great. But so she came out um, over New Year's and um, we went and looked at rings mm-hmm. and kind of left it at that. And then she came out again for um, for uh, Martin Luther King Day. So you always do big things on holidays. <laughs> there you I'm go. Telling you. <laughs> it's so easy. Um, so we got engaged um, on Martin Luther King Day. Nice. Yeah, on the 16th. So, um, yeah. So it happened very quick, right? Yeah. And so the funny thing about this, though, if you knew me before uh-huh. and someone would tell you, one, you were going to become a member of the the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, you would laugh. Yeah. Because there's like no way that Eric is going to do that. <laughs> or you're going to meet somebody and within th- less than three months be engaged uh-huh. and in less than six months be married. I would like, I would just like, you have no idea who I am. Right. But when you pray about something and you have that spiritual, um, uh, that confirmation, confirmation, thank you. It's so easy. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't think twice about it. I, and Camille and I actually sat down and prayed together Uh um, about it to make sure that we are kind of on the same page and we both had that. And, um, I, I was, I'll be honest. I was really nervous when we first got married because I'd been single on my own for so long. Yes. This was my house. It's a big change. Yeah. And everything was where it was supposed to be, right? Mm-hmm. Where I wanted it. And she'd been single for so long. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're used to doing our own things. It was like we had been together forever. Wow. I mean, it, we are very fortunate. Of course, we're older, so a little, the maturity level was there. Right. I remember, like, the first 
within the first week, she was putting something away in the kitchen. I was like, oh, it doesn't go. You know what? <laughs> it goes wherever you want it. Wherever you want it. This is yours. You need to change things around. And then she picked out some paint and painted some things. Uh-huh. And then, you know, of course, we got the mortgage in both of our names and all that stuff as, as time went on. But you just kind of had to do do that stuff. Sure. So, um, but yeah. That's awesome. So how long have you been married now? 12 years. 12 years and three kids. Three kids. And you just started working a yes, new job. I did. So I quit my old job at Merck. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know if everybody knows the whole the whole story about um, my tumor and um, when Cooper was born. I don't know. Okay, so um, two weeks before Cooper was born, uh-huh. I had a kidney stone. Kept me up all night. I took, Camille was very pregnant because it was two weeks before Cooper was right. born. I took myself to the ER. I said, I'm kidney stone, but I, I need to get something done with this because mm-hmm. it's really painful right now. And they did an x-ray, and they found a big tumor in my esophagus and stomach. Ah, that's not good. No. And so this is how I, I'm told. I'm, mm-hmm. like the doctor comes and goes, hey, yeah, you were right. It's a kidney stone. I'm like, yay. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I yep. told you. What, what are we going to do about it? You know? And, um, and he goes, and we found something. There was something in your stomach that we really, you, you really need to get looked at. I'm like, okay, well, like when? Like, you know, we're getting ready to have a baby. He goes, oh, no, like this week, mm-hmm. you need to have this looked at. Wow. And I'm like, all right. So we kind of had this huge freak out. We went, the first doctor we went to was this older gentleman. I mean, he was in his 70s. Mm-hmm. Been doing it for years. And he was exactly what we needed, though. It okay. was like, we're scared. Uh-huh. Like, what is going on? And this guy's like, well, these these radiologists and their newfangled things, they think they see everything. You probably swallowed a chicken bone and that's it stuck there and that's what it is. They're like, all right. <laughs> like we're all feeling good. They got me in the next day and did um an endoscopy not an endoscopy, what's it called? Where they, they take a little piece of it and check it out. Okay, the uh, biopsy. Biopsy, thank you. And um it it was pretty inconclusive. Like it looked like cancer, but mm. no, we ended up doing four of those. Wow. Um they were Confident enough that it was cancer that I was seeing an oncologist. Okay. We were planning a surgery where they were going to move, remove half my stomach, part of my esophagus, completely redo everything. Uh-huh. It was really like scary stuff. Yeah. Um, and like a couple weeks, and it was one of those like we'd go see the doctor and it was great news, no, no big deal. And then the next time we saw the doctor, hey, it's cancer. Uh. And then so. Six months we had this. Wow. Huge roller coaster. Huge roller coaster. And of course, we have a newborn at that time. Mm-hmm. I had to get a kidney stone out, by the way. Like be- right. before Camille had Cooper, I got a kidney stone removed because we didn't want to be dealing with that with a newborn right. and dealing with my, my tumor. Um, so like we always joke, the, um, I got the catheter out the day before Cooper was born. Uh-huh. The next day after Cooper was born, I was in so much pain. I could barely get up off the floor and get our kids ready to take them to the hospital to see their brother because of all my problems right. with that. And Camille was up showered because the, the <laughs> delivery was so easy. But I don't know any man who's going to say, I'm in pain. I'm in more pain than you. Right. So we Probably a good idea I to t- not say no, that. <laughs> I toughed it out. Um, but anyway, so it turns out it, it wasn't cancer, but it had to be okay. removed. So I um, they went in and... It's like an eight-hour surgery, and mm-hmm. I, you look at my stomach now, and it looks like I got shot with a shotgun because there's all these scars all over the place, and they basically dissected everything wow. and then rebuilt everything. But it's gone, and it awesome. was it was non-cancerous. So it was good news, but it got me thinking and got Quint, Camille thinking. I'd been miserable at my job mm-hmm. for the last probably four or five years. Okay. Like, they'd had downsizing almost 
at that time it was every year that we'd been married there was downsizing and i was a good sales rep so uh-huh. didn't lose my job but there was a stress every december right downsizing downsizing and i was miserable so they gave us an option um in november they're like hey um if you want you can raise your hand before this downsizing and we will um and you'll be volunteered you'll volunteered and i found out that because of my time in there that they would um, grandfather me into my pension. That was my biggest concern. Nice. I wanted to get my pension uh-huh. um, because a lot, not a lot of companies have pensions now. Yeah. You know, I have my 401k and my pension will be good. Um, and Camille's like, you need to just raise your hand. Mm-hmm. You're miserable. You, you just need to do this. Right. So it worked out really well. And so then for a year I was off because I needed to figure out what I wanted to do. I knew I didn't want to go into sales anymore. Mm-hmm. Like I was kind of done with sales. Um, I kind of became... Somebody who's always been considered an extrovert, I became an introvert. Mm. Camille and I would talk about it. Like, I didn't want to be around people. Mm-hmm. I, just, I just needed to figure this out. Right. And it's very difficult to change yourself from a, from a um, vocation mm. perspective. Right. Like, how do I translate what I've done for the last 20 years into something that's going to pay? Or So in that time, Camille... We talked and Camille thought it'd be good for her to go back to work. So mm-hmm. um, she actually had another job she wanted to apply for. And she reached out to the legislative services where she works mm-hmm. um, for rec- to be a recommendation. I go, you know, if you do that, they're going to hire you, right? They're going to want you. She goes, <laughs> nah, I doubt that. And like within three days, she gets a phone call. I'm like, I told you. <laughs> so she got a job with them and nice. does very well with them. And so we decided... Um, I wouldn't start working again until Cooper was in um, school. Mm-hmm. We've always felt when we were first married, we went out to a education week okay. at BYU. Yeah. And one of the lecturers talked about always being there at um, the crossroads of your kids' right. lives. Mm-hmm. And one of our things with our kids when they're younger is that we're always home when they get home mm-hmm. off the bus. And we're always home when they leave for the bus. Okay. So that's been very important to us. So I was looking for jobs. Um, we knew... Cooper was going to start school this year. Mm-hmm. So in January, I started looking and looking for jobs that um, I could work from home. Mm-hmm. That was that was what was important. Work, working from home was the main thing. Um, and we <laughs> there were jobs that I was really excited about, but they were jobs that would have required me to be busy the same time Camille's busy. Camille becomes oh, okay. really busy during when session comes in session. Uh-huh. So like basically starting October, November through April um, or March, depending if it's a long or short session. Um, and all the jobs that I was excited about, that would have been the same time. I, we would have been busy at yeah. the same time. And there's something to be said about her being, not having anything going on during the summer mm-hmm. um, where we would take three week vacation and sure. do that. So two weeks ago, well, three weeks ago, we got a letter from Cumberland Road Elementary talking mm-hmm. about asking that they needed somebody, an inner, um, I, uh, I can't remember what they're called, but a position where you would be a teacher's helper, like an okay. assistant, uh-huh. and but it was for special needs. Okay. And I was like, you know, that actually that interests me and it would be really good. And as I thought about it, I'm like, you know what? I think that would be really draining for me. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think I have what it takes to do that job. Right. It does um, take a special... It takes a special person. I have so much respect for people who do that job. Yeah. I don't, honestly, I don't think I have that. Um, so we were actually at the Robinsons for dinner um, that weekend, mm-hmm. uh, Saturday, and we were talking about it. I was talking to Heidi about it. And 
And I was like, yeah, I go, you know, the, the hours and everything like that would be perfect. If they had a STEM job, I would love that. My background, you know, mm-hmm. with I'm in science. Right. I love technology. Mm-hmm. I did electronics for six years. Yeah. I, you know, um, this would be great. This would be fit. what I wanted. That Monday, as Camille's getting ready to leave for work, she's like, hey, I saw that Sand Creek had a STEM position opening. Wow. You should look into it. I'm like, all right. Yeah, I can, I'll look into sure. it. So... I emailed the principal around 10 o'clock. I'm like, mm-hmm. hey, my name's Eric Tesh. I think I would be a good fit for this position. You know, my, I have a degree in biology and chemistry. Did six years as an electronics technician in the Navy. I would really love to talk to you and to see if I would be a good fit, and if mm-hmm. you think I'd be a good fit. Set it off. Mm-hmm. Washed my hands. Like, well, I, I did, <laughs> did not think I was going to get contacted, right? Mm-hmm. Hour, less than an hour later, I get a phone call from her. Nice. And, you know, she's like, hey... It just so you have perfect timing. It just so happens that we're making a final decision today on this position. I have two people who are interviewing <laughs> wow. for it. So she interviewed me right then and there, mm-hmm. real short, like maybe 10 minutes. Some of my background and everything like that. And she's mm-hmm. like, well, you know, this sounds like it would be a good fit. What I hear you're saying is what's really most important to you is that you're, you're, you're there when your boys are getting on the bus and that you're home when the boys get off. Mm-hmm. And she actually looked. Afterwards, she called up their school to find out what time they got off the bus and everything. Right. She's like, you know what? Um, here's what we can do. You can um, either you can um, have your daughter, because that was another important thing, because mm-hmm. her bus doesn't come until 8.50. Okay. Um, and my first class was going to be at 9, 10. Uh, and that would not... It's pretty tight. It's really tight. So she's like, you know, you can... Um, drop Quinn off at a friend's or something like that. She was like, another thing, um, if you're willing to do this, is you can bring her into school with you. Mm-hmm. You guys can come in at 8, at 8.40. You can just walk her across, come back. We're going to make your first class at 9.20. Oh, nice. And um, at 1.50, you can leave. Nice. So she really understood what was more important to me was my work hours. Right. Not any of the other things. Yeah. So I, they, um, I, I did my second interview. That afternoon at 1.30, and at 3, she called me and offered me the job. Awesome. And I did my first week last week. Yay, first week of school. It was hard. <laughs> I have so much respect for teachers, yes. elementary school teachers. Yes. Like It was hard. That first day, I came home, and I was dead. Mm-hmm. And I only teach five classes, 40-minute long five classes. I do, kinder, I do kindergarten first off, uh-huh. and then I have a half hour for lunch, so from 9.20 to 10 o'clock, kindergarten, 10 to 10.30, I eat lunch. 10.32, what is that, 11.20, that's not right. But anyways, I do first grade, and then right. um, five minutes between classes, I do second grade, I have another half hour, and then I do third and fourth. Okay. And, um, whew, Dizzy. Great, busy. <laughs> and, like, you really have to be and, on top of it. Yes. Like, it, it's, and kids are a tough audience. Kids are. But I loved it. Mm-hmm. I absolutely loved it. I this is something I'm passionate about. I mean, if you kind of look around my office, like I'm a nerd when it comes to these type of things, you know, uh-huh. you have a dead dragonfly sitting right in front of you. That's for, awesome. Like, you know, um, I, I'm excited to teach them. I teach my kids with this stuff all the time. Uh-huh. And, um, so I'm really excited. I've got 38 lessons I need to come up with and, um, I've got most of them. I've got the ideas for most of them and now I'm in the process of writing them. That's awesome. Yeah. So I'm really excited about doing this. That's... And we'll see if it lasts more than one year. <laughs> That's true.
Well, good luck with that. Thanks. It has been so much fun. Absolutely. And so did I give you 40? How long did I, we talk oh my for? Goodness, Eric, we may have to break this up into two sessions. Oh, no way. I'm so sorry, Ken. <laughs> so I was like, I don't think, everybody, I was like, I don't think maybe a half hour. Like you're saying 45 minutes. I don't think that's going to happen. I'm not You've that got an hour and 10 minutes. Oh, I'm so sorry, Ken. So uh, if, he, if people don't want to listen to you talk for an hour and 10 minutes, then that's on them. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, do people really want to listen to me talk for 10 minutes? Who knows? The question, right? I guess we'll find out. So we'll find out. Well, I've, I've really enjoyed talking to you. It's been, it's been, uh, I've learned so much about you and about your, your journey. It's been a blast for me. Oh, I'm glad. So thank you for taking the time. Absolutely. And uh, thanks for sharing your story. And um, thanks for billing, being willing to let me come into your office with, with dead dragonflies. and <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> this has been great. And uh, for everybody listening, uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Fisher Second Ward podcast. Please share it with members of the ward or others who you think might be interested or might be enriched and blessed by listening to our stories. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again next week.